You guys ready to keep walking? We're going to keep on stepping. And Lord, we do ask for your spirit tonight, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would grant us all repentance, Lord. That you would grant to us your mercy and your grace this evening, Lord. Do you give us strength abundantly? Do you anoint each one of us tonight, Lord? That we might draw to you as you draw us. And that you would keep us, Lord. That we would abide in you continually from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. To walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit. Before you can walk in the Spirit, you probably already know this. And I'm probably not going to share anything with you that you don't already know. But we're going to put some of those things into perspective tonight. And try to get rid of some of the things that, that block us from walking with Him. And the first thing that we have to do is realize and remove the most common misconception that's out there, that's in each one of our hearts. It might not be today, but it has been. And it used to be, and maybe it is right now. And it's a problem that I have. So whether this message is for me or for you, the misconception is that it's the implanted idea that you are unworthy to abide in Christ after he called you. Because that seems to be a problem. And what I mean by that is the first thing that you ever heard from Jesus Christ, whether you heard it audibly or through someone else, someone else said it, you read it in the Word, the pastor read it to you, the first thing that you heard from Him was, come to me. Come to me. Fritz, come to me. Don, come to me. Patrick, come to me. Right? And when he called us, he called us for a purpose. And somewhere along the line, we get distracted. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Those are promises. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. 
Each one of you responded to that. Come to me. John chapter 6, verse, verse 35 through 40 says this. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Why shall you never hunger and thirst? Why is it? Because we do hunger and thirst, right? We all came up here thinking, you know what, I just need to be fed. I'm hungry. I came up here hungry. And as the Lord pours out the Scriptures, He's speaking specifically to our hearts. Those who come to Me shall never hunger and shall never thirst. Because we already came to Him. Let's read it again. I am the bread of life. He who comes to Me shall never hunger, and he who believes in Me shall never thirst. Because we came to Him... To be in Him. Now I'm going to ask you something. Do you believe in Jesus? Easy question, right? Do you believe in God? Right? Easy question. I want to change your concept, concept of how you hear that question. Do you believe in Jesus? To me, one of the most critical words in the Bible, maybe I said it last year, I say it every week is the word in. The word in. In the Greek, the word in is ev. And it means a place. It's a position. A place or a position. And in the Hebrew, I couldn't find exactly, I didn't have enough time to find exactly the word in, so I'm going to go with the letter. The letter is chet kind of looks like an upside-down L with a little hook in it. And Chet is a place, a sanctuary, something fenced off, a safe place, right? In. It's a place. It's a position. Now I'm going to ask you again. Do you believe in Jesus? It's a different question, isn't it? Because now, you've already come to Him. You've come to Him. You've come to Him to stay in Him. And now that we have that position in Him, do you believe in Jesus? I'm not asking if you know Jesus, because that would be the question. Do you believe in Jesus? People would say, yeah. But do you know Jesus? It's kind of like, how many of you guys have ever been to Disneyland? Been to Disneyland? Well, the, for those of you who haven't been to Disneyland, here's what happens. You go to Disneyland, and you drive from wherever you're coming from, whether you took a plane there or you live in Southern California, but you drive to Disneyland, it takes you a couple hours, and uh, first thing that happens is you, you pull in the parking lot. If you go on a Saturday or a Sunday, then 
it's, there's lines, there's huge lines. So you pull in the parking lot, and there's people in the parking lot with vests on, you know, and they're directing the traffic. Come this way, come this way. Down here, down here. And they got it all coned off. And you might drive through one parking lot, two parking lots, three parking lots. And then finally, they're directing you. And then somebody's directing you down, like, come down this lane, down this lane, here, here, here. And then finally, there's a guy at your parking spot, right here, right here, right here. And then you park there, and then the next guy pulls up, and he's like, park, park here, right here, right here. And that's how they fill up the parking lot. So it might take you, you know, all those hours of getting there. It might take you 20 minutes to get into the parking spot, get out of your car and get all your stuff. And your phone rings. And somebody, someone's calling you. You say, hey, where you at? I'm at Disneyland. Oh, yeah? Where, you know, uh, have you gone to the Magic Kingdom yet? Have you been into uh, Frontierland or Tomorrowland or any of those other places? And you say, No. I'm not in Disneyland yet. See, you can go to Disneyland, and you could be at Disneyland, but not be in Disneyland. Right? You don't get into Disneyland until you leave the parking lot, take the little shuttle, go stand in another line, get your ticket. Once you get a ticket, you go stand in another line through security, and then you finally get to... Like the road just keeps narrowing and narrowing and narrowing, and the line becomes single file until you have to press through the turnstile. Sound familiar? That's how we get into the kingdom. In fact, the magic kingdom. Right? But you're not in. You, can't ex- ex- you, can't, you don't get to experience any of the blessings, any of the fun and the excitement until you get inside of Disneyland, until you get in the kingdom. Right? Right? But right now, we've just come to him. And what I want to remove before we start walking any further into the spirit, we have to remove that misconception that because something happened, I I feel unworthy to abide in you. That's our biggest problem. Because all the way through the scriptures, the scriptures continually tell us. Jesus tells us. Paul tells us. Paul reiterates every bit of what Christ said. In Christ. In him. So every time I see that word in the scriptures, I know it's a place. It's position. And I'm being called to that position. So I circle it. Right? In Christ. So I draw a little circle around it and a line under it. In Christ. In Him. In His grace. In His mercy. In His might. In His strength. In Him. In His kingdom. It's all in somewhere. And it all has to do with being in Him. See, He didn't call you to come to Him for nothing. He goes on to say, and maybe some of you think that, well, you know, I... I received the Lord, and I'm in Christ, and never had that problem. Okay. Here's what he says next. Now, the context of this is he's speaking to the Pharisees. Hmm. There's a whole room of them. And I'm the chief one right now. Here's what he says. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. If we believed, 
we'd be in him continually. How do we do that? Verse 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. That's us. We all came, right? We're all here. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the ones who come and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. But yet we've come to him and backed off. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing. That's you. But should raise it up at the last day. And again he says, and this is the will of him who sent me. This is the second time. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in him, there's a position, everyone who believes in him. Remember, we, I just asked you, do you believe in him? Put yourself in him and then believe. Right? He's already called you. You come. You've already came. Now you're in him. Now believe in him. Not the fact that he exists, because you know that he exists, because God called you. He called you to himself. And, well, that's what the next verses are. And it says, And this is the will of him who sent me. Everyone who sees the, the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. You know, we're told that when something's said in the scriptures twice, it's important, right? We all know that. And when something is said three times in the scriptures, it's really important, right? Here's the picture. Let's, draw, let's paint a little picture behind this. Maybe you already know this. I would expect, Jackie probably already taught you this. I'm going to teach it to you again. In the Hebrew language, now this is Greek text, right? But the interesting thing about, like in Matthew, when we were reading this in Matthew, the book of Matthew was written to the Jews. Yes, it's a Greek text, but it was written to the Jews. Every time you hear the word blessing in the Greek, it means happy. But happy is just a, it's a, it's a byproduct of the blessing. And it's not always happy. Right? So when the, when the Jews, when the Hebrews hear these words, it's like Spanish. They're translating. Right? When you hear something several times, yeah, the Hebrew language has three different parts to it. It's script, it's written down. It's com you use it for communication, part number one. Part number two, that it's pictorial. It's petroglyphs. And part number three, it has a numeric value to it. So, when something is said, in general conversation, you're having a conversation, and something said twice, all of a sudden, the people in the crowd kind of slow down. And those who have an ear to hear would stop and go, oh, let's think back. When I was in school, what does that mean? Because each letter in the Hebrew has a story to tell on its own. Therefore, every word in Hebrew cannot be changed. It cannot be manipulated. So 
the Hebrew that was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls is the same Hebrew today, not like English 250 years ago. You can't speak English from 250 years ago and expect to quite understand everything because things have changed, right? Hebrew language is not like that. So when they hear the word three times, or the statement three times, the pictures start coming into play, right? It starts making a picture. And then, like you can see, the crowd slow down. Everybody stops and is listening and paying attention, right? Come to me. Come to me. He says in verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. There's the third time that he said it. But no one comes to the Father unless he draws him. Let me ask you a question. Did God draw you to himself just to give you back to a life of sin? To let you wander off and walk away? No. He did not do that. So remember the point is, is we're going to remove those things that cause you to believe that you're not worthy to abide in him, right? Continually. Okay? It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You've heard and learned from the Father. You come to him, right? But why is it that we back away? When you first came to Christ, this might not be everybody's story, but it's mine. When you first came to Christ, he pardoned you fully and freely, right? And you knew it. You understood it. All of his promises he fulfilled in you. Jackie was talking about that earlier. When you received him, all the promises that are written in here were fulfilled in you. But we, we back away. You experienced his word, and you experienced his truth. He made you partakers of his blessing, and he shared with you the joy of his salvation. When he welcomed you, did he welcome you lightly? When you came to the Lord and you saw it, he welcomed you heartily with open arms and you were told that the heavens just rejoiced. They're rejoicing right now because you received the Lord, right? So you got all this stuff going inside of you when you're new. You get super excited like, oh, what's happening in my life? I, just, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found, Right? And we got this fire that new believers have. Now, I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm talking about myself because I was pretty much on fire, right? And I had expectations. I'm going to share with my family, and I'm going to share with my friends. I didn't really have many friends then, but uh, I do today. But I'm going to share with everybody what God shared with me, right? I had these, these expectations, and it was glorious, like, God's going to use me. And they told me, God's going to use you. He's got a plan for you. And I was super excited. Yes, I'm super excited today because God does have a plan for me. 
And he has a plan for you. But somewhere, didn't take long. Maybe it was a couple days, maybe it was a week, maybe it was a couple weeks, maybe it was a month. But something happened. And it began to fade. And then I complained a little bit. My expectations of ministry and evangelizing the world kind of, uh, they slowed down and slipped into the back seat. And, and then I sinned. And the relationship that should have been deepening with him was weakening, and I wandered off. The shepherd doesn't call us into the fold to mark your ear and to let you wander off again. The shepherd calls you into the fold to shepherd you, to be the shepherd. Come to me, right? Come to me. All the blessings are connected to come to me. And those blessings are only enjoyed when we make that decision to stand with him. And when we're in him, then all those blessings and the joy of them, we see the fulfillment in our life. And I don't know what happened, but maybe we either fully didn't understand that, or we forgot what the call meant to us, or maybe we didn't understand in the beginning when he said, come to us. Because when he said, come to me, he said, come to me to stay with me, abide in me. So the misconception is, is that I stepped back because I fell into some sin, Right? And there's something that happens to us. How many of you have prayed and asked the Lord, Lord, please forgive me one more time. Please forgive me for this sin one more time. Maybe, maybe you're caught up in some lies or lust or pornography, masturbation. That's probably the key one that grips men, because we're men. Always remember that. Lord, please forgive me. This is one more time. And you're really broken, right? Over and over and over and over again, right? And now, every time you, you fall into that sin, you got your own little hash mark on the board. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Five and every one of them times, there might be thousands of them, every time you say, Lord, please forgive me one more time. Why? We don't have to do that. We don't have to fall into the sin, and we're going to get to that. And we don't have to make those hash marks and ask God to forgive me again. Why? Because he's already forgiven us. Remember the blessings that happened when we first came to him. They were all fulfilled in us, right? Where did we forget that on the first day? Because when you ask him to forgive you one more time, 
It's not your falling down that's going to send you to hell. It's your standing back up that's going to give you salvation. So when you ask him to forgive you one more time, he's looking at you saying, what do you mean one more time? Forgive you for this one time? This sin? You're forgiven. Because he promised that he would not remember our sins. Right? And like Paul said, and it was said earlier today, so should I sin that grace may abound that much more? Certainly not. But here's the solution. The solution's in this. And just to make it clear one more time, one of the disciples did the same thing. So if you're sitting there thinking, that's never happened to me, well, it happened to Peter. In Luke chapter um, 5, Verses 1 through 15, I'll just read it. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. The guys are out out of their boat, they're washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the nets. Peter's being cordial, like, it's all good. Okay. We get, come on, get in the boat. They get in the boat, and he pushes out, drop down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners to, uh, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter saw that he was God. And when he saw all the fish, and he looked at Jesus, and Jesus is probably smiling at him. Peter smiling, happy about the fish, and he looks over at Jesus. And his countenance changes like, oh, depart from me. I'm dirty. I'm a sinful man. That's each one of us. Here's what Jesus says. It says, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And also, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. He just took a guy who said, hey, don't hang out with me, I'm dirty. I'm a sinful man, and now I see you. And I know you see me. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. For now, you're going to catch men from now on. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. 
How did he make the transition? How did Peter come out of that? Paul gives us some directions in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.5. Paul's talking to Timothy. And he tells him, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. Pure heart means an obedient heart. And from a good conscience and from, some, from sincere faith. You know how David said, Oh Lord, my sin is ever before me. That's us, right? Even when you're praying sometimes, your sin's right in front of you and you're talking to the Lord and your sin's right, your shame and your guilt's in front of the Lord. So how does Paul say, from a good conscience and sincere faith? What is, how do you have a good conscience when you're a fallen man? Remember, this is one of the things we have to remove so we can continue walking. To have a good conscience is simple. You have to know that you understand forgiveness. You've got to know it. Because if we're asking the Lord one more time to forgive me, then I'm not quite getting it. I don't quite understand forgiveness. So we've got to know that we know that we're forgiven, right? And that my sins are cast as far as the east are from the west. Are your sins cast as far as the east are the west, from the west? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Right? Remember what he said, the first thing you heard him say. Come to me. The Father would had been drawing you already. See, what the Father does is in secret. He's only revealed through Jesus Christ. And the Father drew us, and the Lord taught us, and we came to him. Come to me. He didn't tell you to come to, you, to him for nothing. He called you to come to him to stay with him. Right? So... How do we stay with him? Here's the question. The Bible's continually telling us to abide in him. Paul's always telling us, it's in Christ, it's in Christ, it's in Christ. And we were called, we were drawn by God and called from Jesus to come to me. Come to me. To stay in him. Yet each one of us, at some points, believe that we're unworthy of that. Jesus told us the full solution in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, is the parable of the vine. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Yet every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now we all know that that doesn't feel good. 
to get pruned. And sometimes we don't know when we're being pruned. Because sometimes God lops something off in our life and we're like, oh, whoa, what's going to happen now? I just lost my job. And he pruned it. He cut that off. Why? So you'd bear more fruit. But we can only bear fruit if it's in him. Now, another misconception is, is that a lot of us tell ourselves well or tell each other, yeah, I, I've been in Christ, but then I sinned and I fell back and, and, then, and then I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray and I'm trying to get to that place where reveal yourself to me, Lord. Just, just let me be in you. Just let me be in you and I just want to please just let me in, Lord, and reveal yourself to me. Give me revelation, right? And the Lord's like, what are you talking about? You're already in me. See, once we sin, the enemy's standing right there. It's like football, right? You start off in the game and you're in the offense. You're in offense. You're on offense. You're on offense. And then somebody has a, a penalty. Somebody on your team has a penalty. It's you. You got a penalty, right? Okay, I just lost a little bit of yardage. But I'm still in offense, Right? But the enemy comes to you and says, oh, no, 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 no. It's our ball. And their offensive team sets up, and there's some confusion going on. And everybody, you, your team, is lined up like, oh, now we're defense. We're defense. And the enemy's throwing the ball. It's not even his ball. And you're running on defense, running on defense, running on defense, running on defense. Lord, please forgive me. Help me back into you. I'm falling into here, and I'm falling into there, and I'm just going from sin to sin to sin to sin. I've escaped this one to go to that one. I escaped that one to go to this one to make it back to where I am. And Lord, please help me, right? He already said, come to me. And you came. Do you believe that you can abide in Christ continually? Continually. From this moment on, you've already been, don't realize it, you've been put on defense. Do you think you can abide in Christ continually from this moment on? Well, what about when I go to work? You know, my job's pretty intense, and I've just focused on my work all day long. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there might be one or two times where I go, Lord, please help me do this. And I go back to my work. What about that? The Bible tells us that we're saved by grace through faith, right? So God gives you his grace, gives you salvation, and all you've got to do is believe it, believe in him, and you're saved, right? Now, the rules haven't changed. God's making it simple in all aspects. All the ground is covered the same way. You can abide in him. Through faith. Because he already called you. God drew you. And Jesus said, come to me. Abide in me and stay in me. You can do this. Philippians 3. Well, let me carry on with the the parable here. And just to reiterate that, 
that you were in him, and you were in him continually, and once you recognize it through faith, then you're in him. But he tells us right here, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. This is not giving you a free run to continue to sin. It's leading you to the place where you can't sin. How is that possible? We talked about righteousness earlier today. When you receive the Lord into your heart, you were made righteous. That you could stand before God justified. Right? Righteousness is the stepping stone to holiness. And as you step from righteousness, you pass, you pass through sanctification to get to holiness. You're made righteous in the flesh to become holy in the spirit. You with me? You're made righteous in the flesh so you can pass through. You can continue to walk in the spirit to be made holy in the spirit. In him is no sin, right? In him is no sin. You believe that? Jesus never sinned. And in him, is, it's impossible for him to sin. He said, come to me. And you came to him. And he said, abide in me. And when you recognize, you realize that you are already in him, in those moments, you tell yourself in faith, I'm in you. I want everybody to repeat it after me right now. I'm in you, Lord. I'm in you, Lord. I am in you, Lord. When you take yourself to that place, you don't sin. You're in him. And if you're there for 30 seconds, three minutes, or three hours, sanctification's happening. You're changing. He is changing you because that's the plan. That's why he called you. Come to me. And I will give you rest. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Come and learn from me. Right? You won't sin if you're in him. How do we remain in him? By grace through faith. He gave us the grace to get there. He's given us his word to explain it to us. Claim it. This is one of those things you can, like, what is it, uh, prosperity teaching? The prosperity gospel? This is the abide in me gospel. You can claim it in faith. Lord, I'm in you. I'm abiding in you. And Lord, I'm trusting. Because Jesus said, those that the Father has given me, I will lose none of them. Right? What does that mean to you? I will lose none of them. That means you have full reign and opportunity. All of the blessings and the promises were fulfilled in you. All you have to do is turn off the defense and get back on offense. I'm on the winning team. And I am in Christ. I am abiding in him. Remember, he said, assuredly, I say to you that I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. And I am in you. And we're like, yeah. I can see how you're in the Father and he's in you. 
the Trinity, all that. And then he said, I'm in you. And, and you're like, yeah, that, I, I accepted that when I received you, right? When I received you as your, your, my Savior, I know you came into me. But then he says the most amazing thing, and to me it's super amazing when he says, and you are in me. Oh, to me that's a game changer. Oh, I'm in you. Now I'm complete like you. Jesus can't sin, so if I'm stepping into him and I'm recognizing I'm in you right now, Lord, all of a sudden I'm not in sin. I'm not thinking about her. I'm not thinking about this thing or a gun safe. You know, and I say that because that's my latest thing. I need a new safe. I don't need a new safe. I want a new safe. I covet a new safe. Right? I covet a new gun. I covet ammo. Right? All that. It's convicting, isn't it? It's convicting to me. So here's my plan. And I take it to the board. The church needs a safe. Right? (laughs) Church needs a safe. And I'm honest with the board. I said, hey, we need to get a safe, right? Because they're saying, yeah, we need to get a safe. And I say, okay. I'm going to look for a safe. I'm like, okay, I found a safe. And uh, then one of the guys on the board says, well, as long as it's it's like the same price, it's a win-win. I'm like, yeah, it's a win-win. I got a smaller safe. Now I'm going to get a bigger, nicer safe for the same price. And it's a win-win. Right? I was going to go get it yesterday morning. And the night before... I mentioned it to my wife. Yeah, tomorrow I'm going to go get that safe. Just kind of one of them things. I'm throwing this out there. Right? And she goes, are you sure you're all right with that? And I go, I was really working on it. You know, <laughs> I was working on being okay with this, and, and now I'm just going to pray about it. You know? <laughs> so I go to sleep, and I have this crazy dream that I'm with I'm with uh, these guys in their younger, in their early 20s, and we're working at a wrecking yard. And for some reason, I'm like a new guy there at the wrecking yard. And uh, they're like, the new guys are telling me, yeah, if you work here, then you get to get a motor. And there's, there's Harley motors here. And in my dream, I was all, yeah. And this kid over here, he's all, and there's a brand new Indian chief motor over here. Let's go check it out. And uh, he can't find it. And I'm looking over at this other little rack, and there's a Sportster motor. And I'm like, the big motor's gone? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, there's this Sportster motor. And then the boss comes, and he's all, okay, you just sign here. And yeah, you can have that motor, and you're going to get paid 7 bucks an hour. And I'm like, oh, I want the motor, but I don't want to be trapped in this, right? And then I wake up. I just wake up from that. I'm like, what was that about? Now, instantly I'm thinking, when I asked the question, what was that about? I'm instantly got the safe on my mind, right? Remember, God does, he works in secret. And it's revealed, revealed by Jesus Christ. And I know that. So I'm like, okay, Lord. I'm listening. And he gives me a verse. Matthew 8, 5 or something like that. I should have wrote it down. So I open up to it. And it's the parable of, of the sower. And so I read the, the verse that he gives me, and the verse is, and some 
of the seeds will fall on thorny ground, and the thorns will raise up and choke the word. And I'm like, oh, it's the safe. Oh, man, you know, it's the safe. And then he gives me another verse, Luke 5, 9. I think it's 5, 9. So I turn to it, because, you know, when you're at that point, and you're like, Lord, are you talking to me, or am I crazy? I've come to find out that I am crazy, because look where I'm at already. I'm totally insane. And so I read the verse, and I didn't even ask this time, Lord, are you speaking to me? I open it up, and it says, and he said, who is it that speaks to you? Who is it that speaks? And the demon says, legion. And I'm like, okay, no safe. <laughs> when you're in him, it's easier for him to speak to you. When you recognize I'm in you. When you're outside of him and he's speaking to you, you're like, is this live or Memorex? Am I insane or is the, is the Bible like speaking to me? The Bible is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. Trust him. When he gives me directions, I take them. As long as they're biblical. And he's like not telling me, go shoot the neighbor kid's eye out with the BB gun. <laughs> right? When he gives me a verse, or I'm praying about something, and I'm just holding my Bible up because I'm going to do a devotion, and I open up and, and I'm asking a question, and then all of a sudden, I'm looking at a psalm, and he speaks right back to me. Boom. There, he's just like, that was so perfect, you just spoke back to me how I need to be spoken to. Okay. And you get used to that. Right? In him. Do you believe in him? You need to start believing while you're in him. Sanctification is happening. I don't care if you're, do, if you're there and you're like spinning, Lord, I just got a couple more minutes before my boss walks in and I just want to be in you and just be still and know that he's God. You're being sanctified. You are changing. Whether you recognize it or not, you avail yourself available to him and you're changing. And you can't sin while you're there with him. And the practice is you stay there more and longer and longer and longer. And while you're at work and whatever it is that you're doing, you say, Lord, I have faith that you are going to hold me through today and I'm going to continue to be in you. Is that simple? Because to go from righteousness, you're made righteous when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life, right? He forgave you of all your sin. You stand in front of God, you're righteous. But that's not where the walk ends. Now we're going to walk through sanctification, right? And that's how it's happening. Unto God, Jesus is our sanctification. Unto God, Jesus is our righteousness. Unto God, Jesus is our wisdom. Unto God, Jesus is our holiness. That means God causes it to happen, and Jesus is the revelation of it of our holiness. Now, some of us might be sitting here with strapped down with sin. I'm like, I can't escape it. It's always in front of me. And now, it's Saturday night. I want you to do something. Be in him and trust him. In the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us 
how to operate as a fully functioning, healthy church body. How to deal with each other, how to deal with the people out there, how to deal with our children, how to deal with our wives, how our wives are to deal with us, and how we are to respond to him. Right? Can we do that? If God gives you everything that you need to abide in him, will you do it? He already did. He called you. Come to me. Abide in me. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty six says this. For you see your calling. Brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. I know the pastor's in here, and I'm going to get to be known Fritz, but I'm making some guesses that this, these, this verbiage right here is explaining each one of us. There's probably some of you guys in there, in here tonight, that are more holy than we are. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Our last scripture is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus, in the Lord Jesus, you should abound more and more. I'm going to read that again. Finally, finally then, brethren, we urge you, after all so far up to this point, we urge you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. In Him, right? For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. That's been happening, and we still got one more day to go. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. How do we get sanctified? You're made righteous? Through grace, right? It all happens because of the grace of God. That walk we've been taking has been through grace, to righteousness, to sanctification, come to me, abide in me, be sanctified by me. That each of you should know how to possess, or excuse me, 
For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. A lot of the places in the New Testament where it's talking about sanctification, it talks about sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. How do we do it? It's easy. In Christ. Abide in him. Lord, I'm abiding in you, right? Doesn't the scriptures tell us when you're tempted that he will give you a way? He's the way, right? Jesus is the way. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of such, of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but he called us into holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. In him. We can abide in him. And when you are in him, you will not sin. Do you believe in him? I used to believe that being holy was totally unattainable. And it was only for that one guy over there. That one guy that says, when I pray every morning for an hour and a half, and I read a devotion for an hour and a half, and three hours, I'm in the Lord. And I'm just like, wow. That's pretty amazing, right? In him. Whether you're doing it for three hours or 30 minutes or whatever, whatever. The more you do it, the longer he will give you. He will give you grace to be in him longer. Because we've been praying, right? Lord, reveal yourself to me. Give me revelation of what you want in my life. I want to know your will. And his will is, you did, or you did part of it. You came to him. Now it's abide in me. And you need to practice that until you pass on and to come into my kingdom. Because remember, he said it three times, and I will raise them up at the last day. So, do you want to work out your salvation in fear and trembling and glory of God or in shame and fear? Fear and trembling in the glory of God. Right? And we will not sin if we are in him. Lord, rescue me. Come in me. Come in me. And be with him. All the answers are right there. You have questions? I'm in you, Lord. And when you are in him, he's in the Father, the Father's in him, you're in him, and he is in you. It's all complete. The answers are all right there. Right? It's like going to the foot of the cross. Like, if you're angry and upset and hurt and vengeful and jealous over somebody and envious, go to the cross. I guarantee you, when you stand and look at him on the cross, it all goes away. And that moves us into love. Because I just read from, ver- from verse 1 through verse 8. And if I move my little tag off, it moves into verse 9, which is, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 
the end of this message moves right into the next message, right? Here's what we need to do, though, as we move into this next part. Ask yourself, I want to abide in you, Lord. I want to be in you right now. So I want to take a little bit of time right now for each of us to do that. Just, you can speak out loud or you can be quiet and just abide in him. I'm in you. Not only are you in me, but I'm in you. And you're in the Father and the Father is in me. And whatever strength that you need right now, if you got a word from the Lord, we want to give you the opportunity to share that. If you've got a scripture, come and share that. If you need to get rid of some sin, abide in him, and the Lord will tell you who to get with. Right? And the pastors will be up front to pray with you, to take whatever you've got. And I want you to know this too. When you share the deepest, darkest, darkest secrets of your heart to any of these men, these pastors, you're giving them jewels and gold. So what, what is your shame that you're bringing up and getting rid of becomes gold as soon as it hits my ears and my heart because I'm going to keep that. And it will stay with me continually for, until Christ comes back. Because those are the things that won't burn away in the judgment. When, it, when all my works pass through and, and it's, the wood, hay, and stubble is burned up, those things are the things that won't burn away. And they will be jewels for the crown. So I want you to put yourself in him so you can trust him right now. And if you need to get rid of something, get rid of it now. Right? So if Corey would come back up. So let's just take that moment for a few minutes to take the invitation that he's given you. Come to me. Stay with me. Continually. Lord, I do ask for myself, Lord, that I may abide in you Continually, Lord, that you would go out before each man in this place and set up the roadblocks, Lord, that you would go before us. Then it is when it is time for you that you call for us and you say, come up here, that you have already ordained and set it up for us because we know that we can't, you can't lose us, that we would be found with your words in our mouth, doing your works and your will. Lord, that on that day we bring you glory in how you find us. And Lord, that we can abide in you and that we can trust that we can abide in you continually. And that you would never let us go. And even when we forget, Lord, that we trust, we have faith that you are holding us in that place in you. Lord, that you are sanctifying us, that you are changing us you are renewing us and that you are setting us free because as we are in you, there are no chains and we know that, Lord. That you are the safe place. That you are the resurrection and the life, Lord. 
and that everything that is in my past is forgotten and that I am righteous and I'm being made holy in you as we pass through your sanctification, Lord. As you said, sanctify them through your word, for your word is truth. Lord, may your word reside in us that we might be in you and that you, as you have said, be holy for I am holy, Lord. We take the invitation, Lord, that we can engage in your holiness and that you will make us holy and that that is your plan as you draw us closer to you, Lord, as you remove the things out of our way and remove the confusions of life from us, that we only see you because we are standing in you. And we ask all these things, Lord, and we give you all glory in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said, Amen. Amen.